Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to Truest Blood, the official True Blood podcast. I'm Kristen Bauer. And I'm Deborah Ann Wool. And you've been invited in. Welcome back to Truest Blood, where we sink our fangs into the series episode by episode. This week, we wrap up season two, Mm -hmm. Deb, with episode 212. It's named for the haunting Bob Dylan song, Beyond Here Lies Nothing. It was written by Alexander Wu and directed by Michael Cuesta. Oh, we reach our climax of the season with a wedding for a maynad. So we'll dive into the mythology <laughs> behind the story and how the show pays homage to that history. And then we will have the dazzling Michelle Forbes join us to talk all yeah. things Marianne. While she plays an excellent villain on True Blood, you'll also know her from just a few of her 73 career credits, like The Killing, Big Sky, New Amsterdam, The Returned, (laughs) Chicago Fire, In Treatment, Battlestar Galactica, 24, Star Trek, and The Guiding Light. Oh, (laughs) I'm practically out of breath. All that and still two, sort of. Two, count them, two Emmy nominations to mention. I mean, she signs every time she graces the screen, and it is no exception this week on True Blood. The big day has arrived. The whole town has turned out, and Marianne is all a flutter. Sookie is the last to remain unaffected by her powers, but is nevertheless held captive by the Maenad, who busily prepares for her wedding to the god, who she knows this time will come. God with horns! Worship him, bitches! As Lafayette places the finishing touches on Dimitri, Bill arrives with Sam as an offering to Marianne in exchange for Sookie. Despite Sookie's objections, the trade is made. A frenzy-eyed egg steps forward and stabs Sam as sacrifice. Sookie lashes out, interrupting the ceremony and causing Marianne to give chase. But a white bull emerges from the dark, stopping Marianne in her tracks. Submitting to what she believes is the will of Dionysus, it gores her through the heart, only to transform into a now-healed Sam Merlot. Was there no God? <laughs> Understanding now that this was Bill and Sam's plan all along, Suki gets to work setting things right at Grand's, while Sam goes looking for his biological parents and perhaps some answers. 
Having awoken from their trance, the people of Bon Tam go back to life as usual, and everything seems hunky-dory. But all is not well with eggs. It's all over now. It's okay, what do I have this sick feeling that it's not? He convinces Sookie to help him get his memory back. But seeing the lives taken by his hand, he is unable to go on. Bearing the knife as evidence of his wrongdoing, he threatens Andy unless he agrees to lock him away. Jason sees the altercation from afar and fires, killing eggs. Andy takes the blame as Tara falls to her knees, grieving the loss of her one true love. Across town, Sookie and Bill are enjoying a beautiful evening of dancing and dessert. But Bill has a few more tricks up his sleeve. He reveals a ring and a ticket to Vermont. Sookie is flustered and leaves the table to gather her thoughts. But the more she considers it, the more confident she becomes of her answer. Yes! Yes, Bill Compton, I will marry you. She races back to the table to find it in disarray and Bill is nowhere to be found. So, Deb, Mm -hmm. what was your highlight for this episode? (laughs) So, for me, I mean, we're not going to talk a ton about it because Michelle Forbes really covers this moment, I think, in her Mm -hmm. interview. But that bull, I just... Oh, my goodness. That shot of it stepping out of the darkness. Oh. It sells the story so strongly. Then there's that yeah. incredible 50-50 yeah. of Michelle Forbes standing just, I mean, inches from this majestic yeah. animal. And, Massive you know, animal. and she's just alone in yeah. this vast nothingness. I don't know how they got it that dark. I mean, even that just yeah. really just shocks me. And, you know, I mean, there's something to working with live animals, right? They're they're not acting. They're just yeah. present. And it has yes. to bring you present. So, you know, again, she's told the story of how they, you know, unfortunately brought out the puppet bull head at the same time as the first bull was there and totally spooked it, which meant they Oops. had to get the less tame bull to come and work with her, which I'm sure... You know, uh, was a little was a little uh, antsy there, but you know, I what I what I do think is interesting is actually how great the special effects are in that moment. That the fusing of the puppet head that they you know attached to Mishka with the actual bull's body for that moment. I mean, it's pretty flawless. It's Um, really flawless, isn't it? I really don't see the the seams on that. So I'm again, it's it's that. The ideal meshing of practical effect and CGI as support that I think, you know, really wins every time. Yeah. And then the actor, you know, she sells Mm. it so much Mm. with her different turns, you know, where she's, I mean, the sort of silliness of how do you marry a bull goes away immediately because she's so moved. You're 100% correct. The whole time I'm just, I'm mesmerized by her and it. Yeah. And, you know, we'll remind everyone at home. So that entire wedding sequence was five or six days straight of all nights. So getting there before the sun goes down, working right up until the sun comes up. And, you know, with those a lot of people wearing those terrible contacts, you know, Mishka in that dress that she kept tripping on. And uh, And my last night up there at Greer was 19 degrees. It's very, very cold. Always below freezing out there. Yeah. 
you've got all these people, you've got animals, you've got, I mean, it is, Mm -hmm. it is a circus. (laughs) It is a circus with rotting meat, you know, at the, at the center. Coyotes howling in the distance. Yeah. Just dying to get at it. It is a total crazy circus. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a lot of things that are like, you have one shot at this, right? So right. pushing that meat tree over, they have one take of that. Right. You know, they have stepping up to that, that bull. Ah, you mm. may you only get what you get, right? If that bull mm-hmm. decides it's done acting for the night, you're done. Mm-hmm. You're done. So uh, just the amount of pressure and the amount of cool that everybody has to keep while still performing her fucking heart out. I yes. Ugh. Well, amazing person. Well, imagining that this is Dionysus. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like she's she's got this massive thing on her shoulders that is very complex, which you researched and we're going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. But then for your highlight, Kristen, and I also agree with this 100 percent, this would have also been my highlight is Mm -hmm. the the proposal at the end. The incredible what Bill and Sookie denouement to this story. Everything about that Mm. has the same level of care and preparation. You know, the dress Mm -hmm. Anna mentioned in the commentary was built, designed by Audrey Fisher, and then built by Olga for Anna. You know, inspiration where pictures from classic stars like Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. Right. So beautiful. Grace Kelly wore a dress like that in in Rear Window, I believe. So beautiful, beautiful old movie feel, the hair, the lighting. The jewelry. I mean, she's just a vision in that scene. She's a vision. You know, and again, it's that lit from within thing. You know, she's, they've lit her beautifully, but it's, it's a light within Anna, you know? It is. And, Mm -hmm. and with Steven, with Bill and Sookie, you know, it's just, and they're dancing. I was wondering, oh. right? Did they just show up? They probably did just show up. And I would be bumping into the person. <laughs> and Oh, do you spin me left or right? You know, but they just yeah. look like they're having effortless fun. Yeah. Right. And then we get to the proposal mm. where she has to do this unbelievable Olympic acting feat mm. of I've always wanted this. She loves this man. He almost died. He's alive. He's proposing. And yet, wait a minute, wait a minute. The heaviness of the season mm-hmm. hits her, and I don't know what I am. And wait, I'm going to die, and you're not. Oh, and what happens when I grow old and weak, and you're still the same? What then? I don't care about any of that. I want you just as you are. But I'm not even sure what I am. Yeah. And those alligator tears. And then she has to run to the bathroom, which is shot on another day. Yeah. Right? To me, the the bathroom, you know, looking in the mirror, that scene is is really kind of a kind of a masterclass. I think. Yeah. No dialogue. Right. Just thoughts, you know, and some props and yourself to look at. And, you know, it'd be easy to either hand like to ham that up, I think, and try to really like do more yeah sort of project you know more but she is so subtle and yet i can read every thought she's having yes and she goes you know she has to walk in with tears streaming down her face and leave glowing (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is just spectacular 
And, you know, there's, you know, my, that phrase I always say here on the podcast, which mm. is, do they watch the show? <laughs> you know, and I could say that a lot in this episode. Yeah. You know, Andy and Jason are like, let's just go uh, in there and save the town. And I'm like, they don't it watch the show. 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's 30 less. Than that. yeah. But, you know, the people apparently, Anna thought she remembered that they'd rented a restaurant. Yes. But the people who owned the restaurant watched the show. Yes. <laughs> And Oops. we're like, uh, no. <laughs> so then they had to get a house yeah. and transform that into a restaurant. And then they had to film it on two different days. So she she doesn't get to run off uh-huh. this from the scene into the bathroom and back in. Uh-huh. It's two different days. Yeah. And but they but I think actually in a way it's one of those like blessings in disguise. I kind mm-hmm. of love that it looks it looks so special. It doesn't look like a restaurant. Right. It does kind of look right. like oh, someone's home in Louisiana who yep. was an am- amazing chef and turned the bottom floor of their home into a little restaurant. I, there's yes. something really special about it. There is. That, that works for me, I think. Um, yeah, that's true. Those are special restaurants, actually. There's yeah. one in Hollywood. I've been yeah. to one in Germany. They're pretty neat. That's true. Yeah. And I I like the idea too, you know, at this point, it's well known that that Stephen and Anna are a couple. Mm -hmm. They also, you know, we're 24 episodes in, they know these characters inside and out. And I I Mm -hmm. think as a writer and a director, Alex and Michael were smart to just like get out of their way. Right. Just step back. They are locked into this. And, And I mean, they talk about it. They said, you know, we did a couple of takes, but just because we could. And because we wanted to see it like they they just as a viewer uh, wanted to watch Stephen and Anna do this incredible work. And I agree. You know, I think Michael said it as well. Michael Quested, the director, said it. There's a moment when Bill realizes she might be turning him down. I love that moment. And he sort of leans back and says, is that is that no? And you just yeah. it's like, oh, my heart broke for him. <laughs> I know you're like, daddy. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. It is interesting because we're talking about watching actors that we're friends mm-hmm. with and we know mm-hmm. these people and we worked with these people. And then Mishka, Michelle Forbes, and Anna in the commentary mentioned many times what it's like to be in a scene with Lafayette, what it's, or mm-hmm. um, Jason, or, you know, a, mm-hmm. a, or each other, and that they were mm-hmm. either laughing or mesmerized or missed their take. And yeah. it is something for us when we're in a scene with people. I was often famous for it would be quiet for a long time. And then I would sort of <laughs> snap out of it and be like, why is everyone looking at me? Oh, shit. Oh. Sorry. Uh, can we go back? Because <laughs> I was really watching this these incredible performances yeah. right in front yeah. of me. Well, that's always why at the end of the day, I didn't watch the show. And it does mean that I missed some things and I'm making up for that now. But there were moments where I was like, I've seen Anna front row, right? Like I've seen her work literally inches in front of me. I've seen what she's capable. I've seen Stephen and I, you know, I've, I've watched those moments in a more intimate way than anyone has at home. Like, screw yeah. all you folks, right? Like, right. I have the money seat. Um, totally. So in a way, I was like, I I wouldn't, I don't want to trade the yeah. first person POV of that moment that I have for yeah. 
the camera lens one, you know, that was so special to, to witness it in the moment. I think it's rare for me mm. that I could watch it on television and that it could hold up to what I experienced on the mm. day. Yeah, because it won't, you know, it's it always won't. a little less than if yeah. only because energetically you're not there. And if only right? because I haven't seen I didn't see the take before where you did something completely different. And so this blew my mind that you had a whole new take on it. You know, yes. it, it's the nature of the beast is that it is always a little less than that doesn't yeah. mean worse, just a little less yes. than the experience. And for us, and that can be a little bit of a, a letdown for those of us who were there. It is. It is. Yeah. So then I think the show highlight, you know, it was hard to pick. I mean, again, the wedding, the proposal, all of this is is a highlight. Right. Um, but we're also we're setting up a season three. Yeah. Um, you know, this is similar to the finale of the first season, which is that like the main storyline kind of wraps up about halfway through. And right. we spend the rest of this episode kind of teasing out the mysteries coming up. Yeah, they do a great job of that. <laughs> when I, I particularly like um, Bill Sanderson, uh, you know, as Bud uh, <laughs> has this great line that I think kind of sums up the season for us. This town's a hell of a mess, and I'm mad enough to know I can't shoulder it myself. You might have your faults, Sandy, but at least you got pants on. That I mean. in Von Thomas, how you hire back <laughs> yes. the sheriff, right? <laughs> <laughs> Your detective has pants on, so yeah. So they, you get the yes. job, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you know the one thing that we we didn't mention from Bill and Sookie there at the end, yeah, is gone. Uh, so yeah. we're setting up who took Bill and what mm-hmm. is Sookie going to do about it. Yeah, we've got some some suspects here because mm-hmm. Eric said I'll take care of Bill Compton. Mm-hmm. The Queen was pretty unhappy about it. Mm-hmm. We always have Lorena. She is always a wild card. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I we also know. there's a lot about Bill's past we don't know, so it really kind of could be anyone. And then we have Sam. So Sam, you know, he spent the season, I think, kind of accepting who he is, and yeah. and you know, I think becoming more curious about why he is the way he is. So he's looking mm-hmm. for his biological family. Yeah. Who have been described to us as bad people. Yeah. By some other kind of bad people. So I don't I don't know how reliable that narrator is. Or does that mean they're really bad? Maybe. You know? And yeah. poor Sam, in the commentary, Anna and Michelle said, who's had it worse, Tara mm. or Sam? You know, the loss is so extraordinary. And he <sighs> has such a beautiful moment with tears. Yeah. Oh my there were God. some men crying in this episode there that really got really me. really strong, yes, male vulnerability. Yeah, Jason. Jason. Jason has and, tears looking at eggs. his grandmother's house. And eggs. And eggs. I think some really touching, very strong men showing their hearts. I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. So speaking of that, we then have, you know, Tara, Jason and Andy are set up for next season. You know, I mean, this is a devastating loss. And I think, you know, heartbreaking to have, you know, again, to have Rutina play it so truthfully as well. Yes. Um, I mean, the writing is so cruel because they had gotten out. They had survived. I know. I know. Right. They were out. They were in love. (sighs) And then, mm-hmm. and then, of course, we'll have to deal with, you know, Jason and Andy spend the whole episode talking about yeah. what heroes they are. And, of course, they end it the farthest thing from a hero as possible. 
So it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how everyone reckons with the consequences of this next season. Yes, very much. And then we have Eric and Pam. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You guys, uh, uh, you're in some you're in some trouble (laughs) with the Yeah, my makers. I'm not in any trouble. What are you looking at me for? (laughs) I didn't do anything. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the same, you know, whatever rains down on Eric. (laughs) That's true. Rains down on Pam. Yeah, she's um, happy And of course, Lafayette that. is mixed up with all you guys as well now. Oh, I know. I know. There's some good dialogue for Pam coming up with Lafayette. Yeah. And is that so season exciting. three? I think it is. I think it must be. And then, yeah, uh, you know, finally, Jess and Hoyt. We yeah. have this sort of missed connection between them. Yeah, another heartbreaker. Um, another heartbreaker. I think, that you know, moment. Hoyt sort of finally realizes that he's, you know, Picked the, picked the wrong woman in that fight. <laughs> he bet on the wrong horse. <laughs> and uh, shows up. But Jessica, I think, you know, has already kind of decided she's not good enough for him um, right. and has decided to move on and just try to be this new person, this new vampire that she is. So yeah. they flew me to Louisiana to just shoot that one scene. You're in that kidding. Truck. Yep. I mean, we could have shot that on any <laughs> any intersection anywhere in the world. Oh, my uh, gosh. But it was cheaper to fly yeah. you. They took me and John, John Hillard, who plays Hank the trucker. They flew us to Louisiana to shoot in that truck. It was sweltering. <laughs> Oh, my. You actually felt you were hot instead of being oh too cold. Oh, my God. Finally, we were too hot. But the problem is vampires are not meant to sweat. So oh, right. they removed the sweat. I mean, they were jumping in between every single take and mopping <gasps> my brow. But they also had to digitally <laughs> remove <laughs> my my beads of sweat in post. I uh, think that's worse to be too hot than too cold, <laughs> although I complained a lot about the cold. But... That's worse, isn't it? it? You get a little sloppy, you know, a little sort of right. slow. Um, right, which is right. And of course, I'm, you know, I'm straddling him. Right. In this tiny cab and they're getting lights in there and they're trying to get a camera. And oh, my God, it was, it oh, was it quite a tight horrendous. squeeze. So, yeah, so we had John Hillard, who was a fantastic uh, actor to sort of again, jump into this with immediately. So he good. had the idea of reaching for the condom, which I think is spectacular. Oh, that's and you'll brilliant. notice because it motivates my line. In such a great yeah. way. And you'll notice that when I bite him, he drops it on his shoulder. <laughs> so you not. sort of see it. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> so as you rewatch that scene, you'll notice that little moment. Oh, I'm going to um, watch it again. That's so funny. It's so funny. And then one other thing, if you if you didn't know, Alan Ball wrote mini-sodes, tiny little snippets that what? came out between the second and third seasons. Oh. And one of those mini-sodes focused on Jessica as she shows up at this casino looking for dinner uh, and she has kind of a run in with an interesting older man. And then at the very end of that, Hank, the trucker walks in and we sort of see how that uh, connection was oh made. Uh, so I really recommend it. Go online, look for the True Blood mini sodes, specifically the, the Jessica one. And now for a quick bite, Jason Stackhouse and the art of the Malaprop. A malaprop is the unintentional misuse of a word or phrase, which then alters its meaning in a humorous way. Famous examples include, I might just fade into Bolivian, or what do I look like, an inferior decorator? 
or the 16th chapel. The fun of the malaprop is in the earnest intention of the speaker. Mm. They think they know what they are saying, and we understand what they mean to say, but it all just comes out a little funny. Now, Jason Stackhouse is a true master of the malaprop, and so without further ado, we'll let him give you the perpendiculars. Evil is making the premedicated choice to be a dick. We're going to get out of here. We're going to need even a bigger divergence. Hasta la vista, baby. Love the smell of nail polish in the morning. It's like if a tree falls in the woods, it's still a tree, ain't it? For the deep dive this uh-huh. week, you did a lot of wonderful <laughs> research into the mythology behind the main event of this episode. I, did. I, I I will reveal, I think I spent 10 hours yesterday putting this outline together. Oh, um, I can see this. <laughs> no one in the world other than this. me and the True Blood writers nope. and my mother is this interested in Dionysus and Maynads, but and your brother, brother, who is our sound engineer. And right before we started recording, he said, Ooh, I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> to and to said, my the Greek history the lesson. Walls. Are you ready, people at home? Yes. Mainly what I got out yes. of it, reading uh-huh. it, is these Greek gods are They're dicks. absolute dicks. The 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 moral of the story here is that uh, you know, Zeus is an adulterous asshole. And Hera mm, is a vengeful mm-hmm. witch. Basically, if Zeus mm-hmm. just kept it in his pants and Hera like divorced him, everything would have been fine. We'd have had no no Greek drama, right? We'd nothing, and we'd have no season two. For no True season Blood. two for True Blood. But, There'd know, be no great Greek, you right? know, Greek plays to be done anymore. No, uh, because all of the gods would have behaved themselves. I just pictured them living today. Yes. They would have an amazing reality oh my God. TV show. They would be a hit. They'd have millions of followers on Instagram. I mean, these yeah. people are absolutely chaotic evil. So, yes, we'll start with Dionysus. So Dionysus, like any you know Greek god, has many origins. So it hmm. starts when Zeus impregnates Persephone. So she gives birth to this horned infant mm-hmm. god. But Zeus's wife, Hera, right. in a jealous rage, sends the Titans to literally dismember the baby limb from limb. <laughs> right? Um, but okay. each piece of Dionysus then transforms into a new form, which attacks Uh-oh. them back. The final form is this huge bull, just like we saw on the show. So, you know, that kind of plays Uh, into all of this. But eventually the Titans get the job done and are able to destroy Dionysus before he's, you know, a month old. He's ripped apart by the Titans. So again, Zeus comes in and imprisons the Titans for murder. Right. Even though it's his wife who did it. It was his fault in the beginning. I mean, it's all this. Yeah. But he imprisons them. (laughs) Which then angers their mother, Gaia, who is Mother Earth. So she, in turn, creates floods and fires and boiling seas, causing devastation, war, and just general awfulness for all of us, the Earthlings. That's not who I think of as Gaia. Well, Zeus put her kids in prison for, you know, killing his kid. You know, it's all, you know, it's all very deep stuff. It's a mess. mess. 
So Zeus goes back to Earth. He collects the remains okay. of Dionysus's heart. He then mixes it into a blood, a drink of blood, which he then oh. gives to Semele, who is the mortal daughter of the king of Thebes. As she drinks this blood uh-huh. that has the remnants of Dionysus's heart in it, it impregnates her with Dionysus. And uh, Zeus tells her that she will be the mother of a, a, a son who is the god of revelry, who will finally bring joy and light back to the world. And she's so overjoyed that her son will end this horrible time on Earth that she starts covering herself in <laughs> vines and flowers and is like celebrating under the full moon. She's so excited about it. So again, we're seeing a lot of this imagery and so forth coming forward in the myths and into True Blood. But here comes yeah. Hera again, who really just needs to divorce this Zeus guy. He's just kind of the worst. <sighs> but again, she punishes the wrong person and she manipulates yep. Semele into touching Zeus, which burns her to a crisp instantly. But Zeus pulls okay. the baby from her wound in time and gives him to Nisus, who is a lesser god of wine and debauchery, to be raised in the spirit of fun, <laughs> hence Dionysus. Uh, so that's where we get this god from. Pretty intense. I kept waiting for the Kardashians to be part of it's, this story. They're like, in there somewhere. Wouldn't that fit yeah, right in? Yeah, they're descended from yeah. or something like that. This. Uh... <laughs> yeah, there's somewhere All in there from what drama. I can tell. Mm-hmm. So, so wait, where have we ended up now? So Dionysus mm-hmm. was pulled from literally. The womb. He's just born now. This is this is as far as we've gotten. Oh, so he's just he's born. now been he's he's born twice. He was born once, destroyed, okay. and then okay. reborn again. Um, and then raised by semi. the you know a guide a god of wine and debauchery. You know, like like you would you would right, want right, to send right. your toddler to be raised by right. someone it's, who's you know drunk yeah. and crazy. A perfect Absolutely. tutor. He grows up. He is often arrives like his his stories are often like him arriving as a foreigner into a new land, you know. Um, so he he becomes okay. known as the God who comes, you know, which I guess is quite literal because <laughs> he, shows, he up. shows up. So he's the God who comes. OK, he's the God who shows um, up. And whenever the authority, the kind of general theme of this is whenever the authority in town then refuse to recognize his divinity, he punishes them by yeah. entrancing their women and chasing the men into the woods. So the women who are then known as maenads. Now, these are either voluntary or involuntary followers, female followers of Dionysus. So maenad literally translates to raging ones, mad ones, raving ones, these kinds of things. So we're seeing a lot of this. They, you know, within True Blood, we're pulling directly from this mythology. They go into the woods. They perform these wild, orgiastic rites They're wearing fawn or fox pelts, which I thought was very interesting concerning Daphne as a deer. Um, There's a lot of fawn and deer metaphors within Dionysus and Maenad. So that was, I think, a really interesting thing. And they wear bull helmets, which is, uh, you know, has to do with that final form he took. Okay. So they're attempting to reach this level of ecstatic frenzy where they can be possessed by Dionysus and experience freedom from their earthly bodies. So we have an incredible speech from Marianne in an earlier episode where she talks about that, right? Where like Mm -hmm. the joy of Mm. losing yourself, you know, and we think about this with addiction, but also with meditation, but also with, you know, there are so many Mm -hmm. different ways that people are trying to reach this like state of Freedom of Zen, of Nirvana. From the physical. Yes. Yes. Um, So while they're in this state, uh, maenads often uh, are given extraordinary strength and are sort of magically able to create milk, honey, and sustenance from sort of the trees in nature. 
but they are also drawn mm-hmm. to kill animals with their bare hands and eat their hearts mm-hmm. raw. So mm-hmm. anyone who does not believe in Dionysus or doesn't acknowledge his divinity, he has the men chased into the woods where their own women in their Dionysian frenzy rip them apart and eat them raw, <laughs> which is, again, this terrifying right. but fantastic correlation to his first murder as an infant, right? The Titans tore him apart. Right. Um, so he's sort of right. reenacting this trauma over and over again. Revenge. You know, again, which is a fantastic metaphor for what humans do, which is this passed on trauma yes. through generations yes. and, and you know, the way that that works for us. So I, I mean, this history, I mean, mythology really just fascinates me. It's, it's so violent yeah, and almost nonsensical, but there's something fascinating about it. Well, it's extra fascinating for me when it's after the fact sort of laid over what mm-hmm. we see with True mm-hmm. Blood, right? So they did such a great job of weaving yes. this in. I would not have known that <laughs> unless I was doing a podcast with a wool because it is so, it really is interesting and well thought out because it goes back to the Queen's mm-hmm. speech. Yes, exactly. Right? Where she explains, you know, in a, in a, we mm-hmm. talked about her incredible performance with all of that information, and they really wove it throughout the entire well, season. Well, what what they've done that's so brilliant, I think, is you know everything we've talked about so far is the mythology. This is all oral mm-hmm. tradition stories that were told, probably parables in a sense. Um, mm-hmm. But maenads and the tradition of orgiastic rites were real in Greece and Rome. Now, originally, they were held in secret and were only for women, which I think is fascinating and amazing. So Um, interesting. Because as they grew in number and frequency, you know, men began participating. But at that point, the Roman state actually gets worried about it because they're starting to think, oh, no, these are people gathering and they're planning an insurgence or something like that. So they ban Bacchanal, you know, Bacchanalian Dionysian celebrations, um, unless you specifically okay. apply for them. <laughs> I feel like nothing <laughs> kills your orgy like having to get governmental permission. <laughs> so, ah, uh, yes, I'm here for a permit for my orgy. orgy. For what? <laughs> uh, well, for an orgy. For an orgy? Yes. Yes, yes I am. I yes, <laughs> I am a follower yes, of Dionysus. I'm really hoping that he'll come. <laughs> He has an RSVP. A following of who? I'm picturing like the DMV (laughs) of ancient Rome with whatever their horrible fluorescent Um, lighting would be the equivalent of. I mean, you'd just be like, sorry, forget the whole idea. I'm going to go home and watch HBO now, right? Which I guess that would be you'd go home and watch a book. You'd watch a book. You'd read a book. You'd read. You'd read about the mythology of Dionysus and get inspired now, and then get all excited again and go. Yeah, you'd be like, I can do it. I can do it. And you'd walk back in that building and go, oh, forget about it. <laughs> well, no, but no, but I think now you take on the true spirit of it and you're a Marianne, right? You're you're a Marianne Forrester and you take it out into the woods right. and you don't tell the government. And it's even more delicious. And you don't get secret. a permit. You don't because, yeah, you're right. living you're living on the edge. So, yeah, I mean, there are some just incredible. I mean, we have the whole wedding, you know, a Maynard's desire to have this ultimate, you know, union with Dionysus. Yeah. But of course, the only way to really be with him is to die. So all of that is really supported in the, yeah. the original mythology. 
we have this sacrifice, yep. the killing of animals, or in our case, shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the eating of the heart. The eating of the heart is right in there. And then also this birthing, right? Mm-hmm. We have this ostrich egg, which right. is actually more of an Egyptian symbol. But, you know, hey, Maynads okay. have been alive forever. She's probably borrowing imagery from everywhere. Right. But, you know, this eggs are always about fecundity, fertility, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And we have this mm-hmm. rebirth through Semele as well. Uh, so, you know, she's trying to kind of birth Dionysus again so that she can marry him and be with him in eternity by dying. Wow. That kind of fits. I know. That is amazing. Thank you, Deb. And now I am so thrilled for you to hear this interview with the wonderful fantastic, (laughs) amazing, exuberant, (laughs) exuberant, layered, masterful, Michelle Forbes as Marianne Forrester. Hi, Michelle. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So good to see you. Oh, and I'm not uh, going to start crying. No, Kristen will start. <laughs> I know. Kristen, Kristen and I are often in contests. We're often in crying contests. Well, we generally like to start if you have a story around either your audition or your casting. Like, how did you <laughs> join this company <laughs> that is True Blood? Well, that that little meeting with Alan Ball, I think there were some dummy sides that he had that they were having <laughs> us read. And yep. I didn't have any connection to vampires whatsoever. They didn't even show up in my in my mind at all. So I just sort of went and I remember Jelko Ivanik, who ended mm-hmm. up doing the show later, he was in the waiting room and we had done Homicide Life on the Streets together and I hadn't seen him for a gazillion years and and I didn't know what these it was like half a page, I think. And I didn't know what I was <laughs> oh doing. And wow. so I kind of went in and had a little chat with Alan. And I thought, well, he's a nice guy. I like this guy. Don't know what I'm doing. But could we sort of get on with this? Because I want to catch Jelko before he leaves. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Priorities. You got to catch up with your mates. And I don't know. Sometimes you could feel like a connection. But I didn't feel a connection because I didn't know what it was. And it certainly right, hadn't aired right, right. So I was so surprised when I got the phone call and and Alan said, yeah, you know, do you, do you want to come do this with us? And I thought, I'm not sure what it is, but I have a good feeling about it. So let's do it. <laughs> oh my Wonderfully God. strategic yeah, career <laughs> thinking. Well, but I, I think that is Me part too. of what Alan has though, right? Like yeah. there's something about his... His presence, his pedigree, all of that that he yeah. brings that, you know, we all just kind of go, yes, I trust you. Let's yeah. Yes. It, you know? Well, I yeah. mean, that whole experience was all about trust. All of yeah. it. From, <laughs> from day one till the end, uh, trusting our writers, trusting our fellow actors, huh. trusting right. our costume designer and our, our, our production designer to, you know, do most of the work for us. Right. Trust, trust was everything. I'll, I'll tell you a story, actually. It was, the, it, was, it was at the end of the first season. And because I'd only done, I think, two or three episodes at the end of the first season. We were setting that story up for the next uh-huh. season. As I said, not a clue. You know, one minute 
Alan's talking about Dionysus and I still don't know what a mainad is. Not maybe not really. <laughs> it's still a little vague what a mainad is because we kind of yeah. played around with the idea of the mainad, yeah. you know? So he's talking about Dionysus and he was like, you know, do you, do you know your Greek mythology? And I was like, well, I mean, tiny bit. I have obviously had to have to go brush up on it. So we talked a little bit about that, but then, you know, you open the script and it's like, I'm busting a young girl out of jail with a pig in my yeah. car and I'm dancing <laughs> to the B-52s. Where does the Greek stuff come into this? I'm a little <laughs> confused. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sitting like behind the monitor and Alan's there and he's writing away. And I said to him, oh. is it like this? Yeah, finale. And he was like, um, no, it's not like that. I was like, okay. And I think about it some more. And I was like, is it like, I don't know. And I bring up some weird idea. And he was like, no, it's not like that. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my little brain is, you know, the, 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 the grinding is happening. And I guess he could sort of smell smoke. So I remember he put his hand on my arm. <laughs> and he looked me dead in the eyes. And he said, Mishka, we don't know quite yet. But when we do know, we're going to let oh. you know immediately. Yeah. And oh. having worked with so many showrunners who use secrecy almost as like a power yes. move. Yes. Right. Where you're right, not right. let in to like what's going on. Right. When he said that to me, I totally believed him. And I remember my oh. whole system calmed down. And oh. I thought, I can trust this man. And then I got uh, to know uh, our writers and I love them so much. And I was like, I can trust them. So it was, it was yeah. really, really all about trust. And especially, you know, it was like, it was like a never ending episode of Fear Factor. But I do remember that moment with Alan very vividly. <laughs> and um, Especially your storyline. Yeah. 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 Because it was, um, I was, I, I pulled from all sorts of places. I was, I mean, I. <laughs> Andorra <laughs> from Bewitched. Yeah. Do you oh remember Andorra? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I can absolutely see it. Yeah. Right. And that was the relationship with Sam. You know how she was always torturing Durwood? Dar Dar she, she never got his yes. name right. Darren. It was always yeah. Derwin, <laughs> Darwin, Dagwood. Right. Um, but she was always just poking at him in, oh. in the most delicious way. And that's so I kind of threw that in for my relationship with Sam. Well, but how perfect because, you know, as we've all seen, Marianne is scary and violent and brutal and all those things, but she's also incredibly charming. And, and, wise. and so much and fun. Lovely and she was wise. Right? <laughs> so so smart to draw from a 60s sitcom, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, there were the dresses too. You remember how she'd always yeah. show up in those dresses oh. and she just yes, had this yes. sort of air about her, but it was a combination yeah, of that. Five kind of air. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a combination of that and, and Lydia lunch. I don't know if you guys know Lydia lunch. She was a part mm. of that no wave Who movement back in the eighties. And she was very oh. hedonistic. That whole post punk. Uh -huh no music scene. She, it was, it was just all about hedonism. Uh -huh. It was all about pushing right. no music. Uh -huh. It was like, they wanted no melody. They wanted noise. And I thought about Lydia Lunch a lot, a lot while I was doing oh, wow. it. So it was, it was a combo of like this post-punk 60s sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. With like yeah. the Dalai Lama right. thrown in there. Because I'm amazed yeah. how every piece of advice that she gives is mm-hmm. so wise and so accurate yeah. and so Definitely. brilliant and yeah. so perceptive. So mm. she was just a lot of everything. Yeah. And that's, you know, I knew at one point, like, enjoy this because, mm. I mean, I think I've been very fortunate in this industry to play a lot of characters that are so multidimensional, but she was the most fun of all of them. Mm. Uh, and, well, and that it oozes across the screen in your performance. Yeah. yeah the fun of it. Uh, but I, you know, I can't take credit for it. I mean, I, I literally felt like I was sure just being, I was yeah. being pulled behind this, you know, oh. beautiful car on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we should, you know, we got to talk about the orgies and what those <laughs> crazy <laughs> experiences out in the woods in the middle of the night are really like, because I know everyone at home is like, Ooh, sexy, fun, cool. And we want to get the actual truth because oh, we know man. it's not always that. So you were out there <laughs> no. in career, probably. Oh, career ranch. It was, it was, it was usually about 30, 32 yep. degrees. Yep. Yeah. Um, everybody unclothed. Oh my God. Um, I was very lucky because I was clothed. It was a very thin dress uh-huh. usually, yes. but I didn't have to wear the black eyes, the black contacts. Right. right. And they yeah. were so painful for so many people, especially yeah. When you're doing a night shoot and it's freezing cold. Yeah. Those um, are really hard. Could they yeah. see at, at all really through them? Um, from what I understand, not not very well. But yeah. also yeah. I think thick. by the very nature of them being black, they're very thick. So they're they're quite uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow I somehow I dodged that bullet. I'm not sure how. But the orgies, yeah, they were something else. I, I've often said that if anybody walked onto that set with any inhibitions, you left with none. <laughs> <laughs> I saw in an interview that you felt like America was a bit puritanical. And, you know, mm. we could maybe lighten up on that a little bit. <laughs> so the, the, yeah. the craziness of True Blood, now how you explain it, you were, you know, being pulled behind this car on fire. And also your general outlook is kind of like so artistic. I mean, it's got to be crazy, right? A whole bunch of naked extras having sex with black eyes and, you know, below freezing at Greer Ranch. But still, you went with the whole thing. (laughs) What choice did I have? I mean, that was... (laughs) That's it, right? If I if I'd had time to think about it, I probably would not have, you know, when, when I do a heavy dramatic piece, it's so internal that I don't think about what's happening on the outside and that it's not about me. This idea of having fun and this idea of having no inhibitions whatsoever Mm -hmm. was if I'd thought about it, I probably would have run. And I have no idea why Alan hired me because all of my work tends to be a bit heavy and authoritarian and stern. And, you know, they, they like it when I mean for some reason. And huh. mm-hmm. so 
that season and a half of true blood, that fun that I got to have, that shedding of all of those worries was really important for me. And it sounds so silly as an actor because that's what we do, mm. you know, but it was, it, I just can't explain how much fun it was and how important it was for me as well. And then, like I said, I didn't have a choice. I just had to look at everybody and go like, okay, I trust you. Let's, let's do this. But you know, it's like, we were so lucky with the people we were working with. Nancy Oliver, our beautiful Nancy Oliver. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was directing an episode. It was in the first season. I was, I was bailing Rutina out of jail and I was in this yep. hippie blouse flared jeans, high heels. And I was like, still have no clue guys. Still have no clue what I'm doing. Um, and we were in this very claustrophobic little jail cell. And I kind of was trying to like hide my anxiety. And I kind of went over and had a chat with Nancy and I was kind of like, I, I kind of like admitted I didn't know what I was doing. Mm, yeah. And she said, why don't you just turn around and just give her a big old smile i was like huh <laughs> uh, okay sure i'll try that and we and that, that that was it guys wow. like that yeah like as soon as i did that yeah i felt her like i felt oh. her like enter my body yeah. in a that sounds really dramatic but you know, you yeah. know, you you guys know as actors, like when you when you find that little key, you open that little door, you're like, ah, oh, that's it. Okay, got it. Well, and then you surrender, right? You surrender. You just surrender yes. to whatever inspiration comes. And right? I'm see, I'm a resistor by nature. And sure. I there 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 was no room for resistance in this. So it yeah, was kind of yeah. the perfect vehicle to kick my backside a little bit. And Greg Feinberg oh. as well. There, I know our brilliant producer, Greg Feinberg, but I was, I was sitting by a tree. We're filming me just like dancing in the forest. And I was sitting sort of by this tree that we were shooting under <laughs> and I was squatting. I'm, a, I'm a, like, I don't know. I was sort of like fiddling with the dirt. And he was like, what if you were digging? Cause I had the claws on, you know? Yeah. And cause we had often talked about this oh. feral aspect of her and he was like, what if you're digging? I was like, to the center of the earth? He was like, yeah. And I was like, let's do it. <laughs> let's do yeah. it. And <laughs> so it was that. It was it was Greg Feinberg and Nancy Oliver and Audrey Fisher putting me in those clothes and Lana doing the makeup and, yeah. you know, Suzuki making those yeah. sets. And it was, so I, this is why I, I feel like I just can't take credit. I just surrendered. Well, surrender is so, is it, I think a lot of people we talk to about a lot of actors we talk to from True Blood and people, you know, directors and writers, mm -hmm. you know, cause they're in a writer's room having mm -hmm. to put themselves out there and mm -hmm. possibly fight for storylines that they want and throw out ideas. You know, writers are definitely generally introverts. And I, I think the general theme really has been trust freedom, creativity, yeah. Yeah. also fun. And we don't always get that on every set and you still have to surrender even when it's not safe to do so. Yeah, gosh, but between right. action and cut, you have to because you have to protect your performance. And that's yeah. really challenging. And sometimes we're not rewarded. We're not told. You know, you, you put your guts out there 
And then mm-hmm. after cut, no one says, hey, amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. or your co-stars are not so fabulous. But on True Blood, it was weird. How it was weird that was everything great. was harmonious. It was, and I, and I think that's that's why. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it was certainly the aberration, and to know yeah. that it's possible, you know, that it doesn't always have to be so ugly and and what have you. But again, you know, that's Alan. That right. that that it all started with Alan and. Yes. I remember he did an interview early on and he said, you know, look, I hire the best people and I get out of the way. And, yep. you know, that takes an enormous amount of integrity, uh, lack of ego uh, and mm-hmm. wisdom. It just allowed this freedom for everyone to create mm. and to do the best that they could. And I, and I know that like there was a, there's also a profound commitment to collaborating with each other. There was, there was, mm. it was, it was unspoken, mm-hmm. but it was so present, I feel. And it was literally like watching the energy arteries bounce off of each other. Mm. It was just, it was just wonderful. Yes, and and yeah. to know that everybody was at the top of their game and everybody was just, you know, yeah. had this freedom that Alan gave us. Yeah, that's. That's Amazing. a good description. Well, and speaking of more, you know, more people to praise, Rutina, I mean, Tara is just a spectacular character in her hands. Mm. And I'm just curious about working with her and that relationship. I mean, there is fire between the two of you mm-hmm. in those scenes. Um, I just, yeah, if you have any stories or memories from working with her. love that girl so much. Oh. And I loved our time together. There, there were times, you know, she's such a, she's such a powerful actor. And I, I, I had to start this one scene and I had my arms around her and I could feel her body shaking and I could feel the heat coming off of her body. Yes. Yeah. And, and I did feel so protective of her just in general, just in life. And, you know, this <sighs> was her first job out of Juilliard for, for goodness sake. And it was this huge global hit. So this girl was just like thrust yeah. into this into the stratosphere, right? So I felt very protective of her. I just remember holding her before the scene and just feeling the heat and and just being mesmerized as I was working with her. We'd go outside of the studio in between setups and she'd sing and she'd dance. <laughs> I love it. And oh, yes, that's oh, what she does. Yeah, 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 and we would just sit there in and between we would just takes. Laugh and, yeah, and I just I loved mm. being with her. I loved her company. I I learned so much from her. Yeah, she's she's very special. She's a special human. She's a special two legger. <laughs> she's a special two legger. So, did you continue to watch the show after your season was done? Were you? A, I a did. True blood. Were you a Truby? <laughs> I, I I absolutely did. Because I missed you all so much too. And I'm usually, you know, when I leave a show, <laughs> I mean, you know, you make friends and I, I, I enjoy my freedom. I enjoy knowing that I can do something else, you know, next year. So when it was just, a, you know, a year's contract, I was like, that's fantastic. That's perfect. Mm. And then yeah. I was like, no, I don't want this to end. Mm. No. Yeah. The last day. So we got all the stunts and the working with the bull out of the way when I yeah. married the bull and I had a romance, you know, romantic scene with the bull. It's a gorgeous shot. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's this 
full. Oh, so cool. It was so beautiful. Shot, you know, it's so and beautiful. It yeah. And you're darkness. so beautiful. <gasps> it's beautiful. That was, and that, was, that was an absolute highlight for me working with that massive <gasps> creature. Massive wow. creature. And yeah, tell us about the, the bull. bull and working with that and what that was like. So they were so wonderful in preparing us for everything. I went to go meet the bull and Greg Feinberg was there and we, we put the dress on so that he could be familiar with everything. Okay. But they're all very, very, very serious about this. And I didn't quite understand why. And then, so, you know, the date went really well. We got along. (laughs) We had had things in common. And so I showed up playing your husband, right? So, (laughs) right. The, The one that I've been waiting for. And I had all that, I still haven't forgiven Alex Wu, who wrote that episode, <laughs> and all that purple prose that he wrote for me. My lord, my savior, uh, uh, where have you been? <laughs> I've waited for you my entire life, my lord. And I was just like, Alex, what the fuck have you done? And like, I don't know. And I remember in the table read, I was I, for some reason, they always sent me next to Scarzi, and... And Alex was like, I got to it and I I couldn't even say it. And I just looked at him like, <laughs> you fucker. Like, I cannot pull this off. <laughs> and um, and I remember Skarsgård leaned over and he was like, commit. And I was like, I always commit. <laughs> <laughs> Skarsgård really never committed at a table. Read, but he was yeah. probably fucking with you, right? <laughs> totally. Oh, totally fucking with you. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Uh, and I loved so it. so funny. The next day I go in, we're, you know, we're having, or the next night and we're having the scene with the bull and I'm in the makeup trailer and I'm not really thinking about it. And all these guys sort of come in and they're sort of staring at their feet and I'm like, that's getting weird. And I'm like, what's up guys? (laughs) And they were like, well, you know that bull you met yesterday? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, special effects guys, you know, they had to make a, a bull head. Right. Uh, that matched his for when I got gored to do right. the special effects. So these lovely special effects guys made the wise decision to take this bull head to the bull, see how the bull no. would react. And the bull <gasps> lost its mind. And so they're telling me the story and I'm like, I don't know where they're going with it. And, and I was like, so, so what happens now? And they were like, well, that that bull won't be here today because that he was too violent to load into the truck oh. after being traumatized oh. by seeing this this fake bullhead. So they brought another bull in. So they but we don't know about this bull. And oh I was God. like, this is a blind date. Well, I'm fine. Like I I I don't feel weird about it. I went to set. Right. Like, I thought Greg was about to have a stroke. And I I said to Greg, I was like, Greg, I'm fine, dude. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I'm not worried. Okay. (laughs) I didn't quite know what was going to go on in this scene. So, and once I was standing in front of this new bull and you see the horns and you think like, (sighs) oh, I get it. If he spooks, like he moves his head. Right. I'm like, my skull is crushed and I'm on the ground. Like, I get it. Right. Yeah. And there's cameras. So, like, that's the thing. It's not like lights, we're watching cameras, it on screen going, yeah. it's just a woman with an, an animal. And But but there's mm-hmm. like 50 people that the bull's mm-hmm. looking at and camera equipment and booms and lights. And 
Well, not only that, he had, they put like a chain around two of his legs and then they oh. had two guys on horses. Oh my God. So that if he, right, if right, he, right. they could Hold mobilize it. him somehow. Yeah. 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 Um, so they were in the scene as we, as I have all of this really challenging dialogue oh to make work. They are in the scene, right. in the shot, and they're CGI'd out. So there are two guys on horseback with me in the bowl. Oh my gosh. And wow. and they're they're going, yeah, yeah. And I'm going, oh my lord, oh my. So it was, it was, it was challenging for sure. Um, and I loved every oh. fucking minute of it. Every oh, minute. I, of it. it is a stunning shot, a stunning performance. They they did do such an amazing <sighs> job with camera and photography was beautiful, was beautiful during that, that whole passage. It was beautiful. And you did an amazing job at saying that dialogue that is tricky dialogue and you are emotional and grounded and underplayed. And like, it's, it's, perfect you really we really believe oh you're so sweet Kristen. yeah because yeah. it's a tough thing to be like my lord to a bull yeah. right like but, <laughs> my <You> boyfriend <laughs> and, and somehow i'm like wow i'm totally buying this but that's that crazy thing as actors that we just you know we want to do the job we want to do a good job yeah. and then there's a part of me also that goes what other time in my life yeah could I step into a pen with a rhino right. or yeah. act opposite a bull right. or work yeah. with wolf hybrids? You know, right. like at a certain point you go, this is not only a hard part of the job, but frankly, one of the weird perks, yeah. right? To Absolutely. have these experiences. It's such a wonderful perk of what we do. All all the different things, all the different yeah. things we get to explore, all the strange yeah. situations this is what I love so much about what we do. It's, it's like I said, the never ending question mark. You never, you never know what's on the docket for tomorrow. Well, we have some questions. When you think of your experience on True Blood, are there three words that come to mind? Oh, heavens. Um, freedom, collaboration, and joy. Joy. Now, that word doesn't come out of my mouth too often. So <laughs> I know that's why I'm crying that's, again. That's like joy. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like joy. elusive joy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think back to that time, that's that's what I feel like. My heart kind of opens up oh. a little bit if I think about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Michelle, for coming on. Yeah. Mishka, we're going <laughs> for coming Aww. on and talking with us and sharing all these yeah. stories. It has just been a pleasure watching your work on True Blood and everywhere else. <laughs> I just love you both so much. And um, and I love <laughs> that we have all shared this time together. So back then and now. Yeah. And we'll continue yeah. to. Friends yeah, forever. We're, we're family. True we're forever. It is always the greatest time talking with Mishka. I Isn't she's it? such a talented person and just so funny and yeah. personable. Yeah. Ugh. I know. And the way she puts things, yes. I was taking notes like I was listening to a guru. I don't know. I just yes. like the way she phrases things and it, it, it's fascinating. It is. And oh God, 
She's so unique and thoughtful yeah. and funny and kind and talented. Well, it's crazy. So wonderful too to hear her talk about her doubts or having yeah. to surrender and feeling like she didn't know what she was doing, and then to have watched it and seen just how she leaps off that screen. Because as a performer, so much of the time we go home and go, "Oh, I was terrible," or "It didn't," you know. Right. You have these weird feelings, and to see that, like sometimes. Sometimes that is a little bit of a disconnect, right? Like right. That, that her performance stands out as like one of the best of the show. Yeah, specifically that scene where she's talking about where she turned and yes. smiled that Nancy oh. gave her that in the jail. And I remember thinking in that scene, oh my God, she's just absolutely glowing and living in this character. And that wasn't her inner world. And what an incredible choice. And she didn't feel brave yes. doing it, but I... That's what comes but she for me. And I think it is. It's that surrender. Yeah. It's that ability to just trust yes. the story, trust, trust. yourself, and, yeah. and trust the others. She's incredible. Next season on True Blood, our universe expands even more as we are introduced to wares, including yeah. a rather fetching werewolf named Alcide. Yep. We're going to learn more about vampire royalty and meet the absolutely riveting Russell Eddington. Jason gets involved with a were community of sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, Suki investigates her fantastical heritage. And Bill has to deal with the fallout from his past mistakes. Meanwhile, Sam tangles with his shapeshifter roots, while Tara and Lafayette deal with both their inner demons and those more corporeal with the help of the bewitching Jesus. Ugh. <laughs> there is so much more we have to share with you and so many more of our cast and crew to introduce to you. Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for supporting this little podcast that could. It has been an enormous privilege to bring you this content and we'd love nothing more than to just see it through to the end. Yes. So if you want to hear more, please help us get a third season by rating and reviewing the podcast. Five stars. Yeah, we want five stars. <laughs> Shout out about us on social media and let HBO know how much you like what we're doing. And with that, thank you for another fantastic season, Truvies. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and we hope to see you next season. Y'all come back now. You're here. Got any burning questions you want answered on Truest Blood? Post them on any and all social media platforms using hashtag fanclubquestions, and we may feature them on the show. That's hashtag F-A-N-G-C-L-U-B-Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S. Truest Blood is produced by Safe Haven for HBO Max. Executive producers are Janina Kavankar, Kristen Bauer, and Deborah Ann Wool. Our producer is Gabrielle Galan, and our audio producer is Christopher Wool. Our theme song was recorded just for this podcast by Jace Everett. Additional music was composed by Timo Chen. And remember, you can watch all of the original episodes of True Blood on HBO Max. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.